Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All things in the name of love. With your host, Dr. Erica Riesberg. Music written and performed by Megan Moreau. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. Episode 47, Being Open to Finding Your Path, with Sri Niya Drihandana. Driha is an ordained Nihayanda Yoga Arkaya, certified functional strength coach, sports nutritionist, and former five-year professional ice hockey player. After retiring from hockey, Driha began an inner journey to explore the depth of human consciousness and enlightenment. This journey led he and his wife to India and the home of enlightened guru, His Divine Holiness, Sri Nithyanda Paramashivam. For three years, they were trained directly by their guru as yoga arkayas and lived alongside hundreds of Hindu monks. During that time, Driha taught more than 2,500 students, was a lead instructor for two Guinness World Records, largest pole and rope yoga classes, and contributed to various projects to revive once-lost yogic scriptures. Today, Dridha is known for embracing his guru's mission of reviving authentic yoga as per the scriptures and spreading positivity and powerfulness wherever he goes. Today, I have the honor of speaking with Dridha. Yeah, yeah, not bad. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> That's that bad for a time. Yeah. Um, who I've had the honor of meeting through a mutual friend. And he and I were talking right before I started recording about how unusual it is to meet somebody who's been really mainstream and completely upended their lives to follow that deeper calling within. And for me, it was taking about a piece four and a half years ago and just shaking the foundations of what I thought was normal. And for you, you were a professional hockey player and your snap was. <laughs> yeah. For me, my snap was, de- I was actually depression. I, I you know, I, I got to a certain level. I wasn't quite happy with where I ended up being one step below the NHL was my, my peak, but the main majority of my career was two steps below. And I just felt like a failure in life for, you know, whatever reason, not achieving my goal. And, and, you know, at this point in my life, I was seeing all my friends and families moving on to greater things, you know, friends that are now married with and kids on the way, had houses. And here I was living on the bus on the road and, and traveling to cities, you know, playing the game that I loved. And so many people were like jealous of that, but uh, deep down, I, I felt like I was just a failure in some way. And so that led to a, a really big depression. Mm. And, but that's exactly what I needed to finally wake up because I was an atheist growing up and I never would have wanted to talk about God in any way. But I guess that's what I needed this 
deep, deep sense of depression in order to bounce back up uh, into opening my eyes to the real world, so to speak. <laughs> so at that point, you, you hit this bottom of depression. What sparked the, I got to do something? Oh, it was, you know what, it was, it was really, I would say, first and foremost, my parents, they, they were my rocks because they saw the depth of, of where I went and it was a dark place and it was a, it was, it wasn't just full of sadness, but it was full of fear as well. And so mm -hmm. I was just in a deep state of, I need help. And my parents, they didn't quite know how to maybe give me that help, but they, they pushed me off in the right direction. And it all really all started with just going away one weekend with my friends in the summertime. It was the off season. And I go to this cabin with all my friends and I, and I, open up or I'm like really into myself at this point. I'm not really talking to too many people. And I kind of wander into this book room and I just started looking through all the books. And all of a sudden I come across this one book. It was the Celestine prophecy. Mm. And I, it just gave me everything that I needed to really like catapult my seeking. It was very interesting to understand, like brought in quantum physics and uh, this idea of almost like Illuminati. And, and I was really interested in that at that point too. And, and so it, it just brought all this world together where I was like, oh, there is like a spiritual, you know, life that is in existence in some way. And, and so this book was just really that catapult to more seeking. And it was just, it was a craving at that point. I, I just wanted to learn more. And really I was, I was interested in the science aspect of it. So I started to understand quantum physics, the unified field, and then understanding how that affected our body, the science of yoga. And it really just kind of snowballed into uh, what ended up to be where I am today, which is Sanatana Hindu Dharma. Which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember when I, when I took my vow of peace, I, I, I divested like, I'm just going to get rid of all the outside stuff. So I got rid of the movies and the books and the music. I was like, okay, that's good. No, no, no. But <laughs> one of the first books I read was the Celestine Prophecy. And I was like, this is a different perspective. And then I started going down that path of, of uncovering stuff. And, and it's just this, I, I use body talk as a means by which to dig into my subconscious. And it's an, it's an incredible modality. And the woman I work with is just, she's, beyond description amazing and so my i don't have one discipline for spirituality i i, I actually have um ganesh staring at me right now <laughs> to remind Beautiful. me <laughs> and and i still believe in in yeshua and who also my understanding is he was in india for a while uh, learning practices of of the yogis and and so you you took a specific, well, I'm guessing after filtering stuff out, you were drawn to this practice of yoga. Yeah. And, and I was very similar path to what you're kind of talking about, like bringing in various different teachings. I was open. I was finally like, okay, mm -hmm. like hit me. I'm here. I'm ready to learn. And whether that was Jesus, I, I loved his teaching, uh, specifically focusing on his teachings mm -hmm. and uh, specifically focusing on the Buddha, what he was teaching. I was looking at everything and just one thing led to another. I, I would incorporate, I was like, okay, I get this. This could be my truth. You know, the golden rule was across the board, treat others as you would treat yourself. And 
And so when I started to incorporate that to the level of an ant, like, or a fly, like the Buddha was teaching Mm -hmm. then, and like really living that, like, and here I am, I'm playing hockey and I'm keeping at this point, my career is now like the season that started. And I'm not telling anybody about what I'm going through, right? <laughs> but in my head, like you're not hurting ants and you're playing hockey. <laughs> I know, right? And so it's tough to have that intention of like, yeah. okay, I'm gonna I'm I'm in the space of non-harmfulness. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but I was really starting to incorporate all of these teachings and and embrace them. And that's when like I started to have like really incredible experiences where like, look, I am affecting the outer world in some way. And, mm-hmm. you know, I do feel that people are nicer to me just because I'm in this space of gratitude. And, and so one thing led to another, where Jesus to Buddha and Buddha to uh, Pramamsa Yogananda. And then eventually I come across this guru on YouTube who at the time, I, I, I had no clue what a, a guru really was. Mm-hmm. And and so I watched this video and it was on super consciousness. At this point, I understood how everything is consciousness. Like the unified field, what science calls it, it pervades us and it pervades everything. And so somehow that's what enlightenment is. It's where you self-realizes that it's everywhere. And I had this contextual understanding of it and I really believed in it. And at this point, I was meditating like two hours, two and a half hours a day. Now, of course, not telling anybody, doing it in my room, in my closet. Like, you know, <laughs> that was my space. <laughs> and, um, and so, but I, I just had this yearning. I was really seeking. And uh, I, I come across this video about super consciousness. And this guru, he goes, super consciousness, it's, you can't really put it into words. It's more of a of an experience, and then all of a sudden he led it into a, a meditation, and it was just like he just like snapped his finger, and all of a sudden it was like my consciousness was no longer in restricted to this body. It was outside of this body, and, and there was another conscious. It was his consciousness that was in that space as well, and I was just like sitting there. I was like. I was I was in the space of no mind. I was in awestruck, but in the space of no mind, like wow. just like, and I, I, it was just a. You can't put words into this experience, and and here I was at the time in Alaska, the remote part of the world, sitting in front of a laptop, and I'm experiencing this conscious communication with this being through a recorded video that he recorded in it. I was just like, I was just like this is it beyond time and space. This is actually like, like I had that click as soon as it was out. And I was just like, I didn't want to move. I was just like kind of in that space. And so as soon as I felt that and experienced that, I was like, who is this being? And I need to, I need to go there. I need to like learn from this person. And it turned out, uh, he conducted 21 day yoga meditation programs. And so I jumped at the first opportunity that I could and that in itself is just an auspicious story how that unfolded. And turns out, you know, fast forward to today, it's, it's my guru, His Divine Holiness, Paramahamsa Nityananda, or Sri Nityananda Paramashivam. And so uh, that, yeah, I, I just, it, it wasn't anything that I was going to expect, like, because I was not open, or I, I was open to everything, and I was mm-hmm. not focused on one particular path, mm-hmm. just whatever kind of showed itself to me. That is so 
ridiculously important because it is your path. Yeah. And, you know, what I've learned in my journey is that I have to follow what is meaningful to me and it doesn't really matter what anybody else says. I love getting input from people. I love having conversations with people. And if it resonates with my soul, then that's something I can go forward with. If it's not, I'm going to honor the other person anyways, but it has to be me. Yeah. Yeah. That, that just, that's so pure. It's so true. It, 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 and yeah, you can't, other people can certainly support you on your path and, and maybe help guide you and correct maybe certain things, but you know what road you're going down on. And it's just, it's, a, it's a tough thought. It's a, it's a, it's, it's your principle, your truth that you just, you can't let go of, you know, like I, I know what I've experienced now. Nobody yeah. can take this away from me. You can't tell me anything that, that or what I'm doing is wrong. Cause I know it's truth for me. Right. And that's, that's so much courage because we have so much pressures from the external world to try for people to try to make sense of us. And I, I, I'll give an example. One of the things I know my soul is ridiculously ancient with is being an alchemist. Uh. And over the past two days, I've made a calendula oil and a comfrey oil for different salves I'm going to be making. And the whole process of just heating the oil over the stove, because it's quicker than putting it in the window for a month. <laughs> so I've been, but I was like, when I was doing it, I was like, okay, so what oils am I going to use to enhance the properties of the calendula and the comfrey? And for the comfrey, I used castor oil for ah. the comfrey, because I know castor oil is ridiculously healing and comfrey is ridiculously healing. I didn't think about that, I intuitively knew that that was the oil I was supposed to use to infuse the comfrey in. Castor oil, my guru calls it golden liquid form. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's yeah. so powerful. And, and that's not something that I have external knowledge of. This is something that I'm getting intuitively, like this is something that I'm supposed to create because this is part of my journey. And the joy that I'm receiving from doing it is really fascinating because it feels like I'm, I'm dusting off, well, more like scraping off the mold from these old DNA cells to tap into this, this universal me uh. that I didn't know was there. Uh. And it, it, I mean, it sounds like you're you're right on the path to your your maybe nail on the head isn't the best phrase, but um, yeah, my guru says like we take a, a teaspoon, actually ingest it, morning, lunch, evening. But then he's also suggesting that we rub it on uh, our stomach and our chest, keeping it on the body as well. And that's actually a part of I. Don't hold me to this, but I think it's a part of the Ayurvedic system where you do rub your whole body in castor oil. So yeah, it's that's very yeah, it's, uh, you're downloading. <laughs> it's, yeah, I am. I am. I've, I've mixed yeah. essential oils, and and I don't know what I'm doing with essential oils. I have about fifty of them, but I don't know their energetic properties. However, I'm getting shown formulas. 
like mix this one with this one and this one. And it's like, okay. And it smells amazing and it has healing properties. Beautiful. (laughs) So it's not me. It's not my ego. It's a greater me, which is so beautiful because it gets me out of that ego state, which you know, and into that greater sense of the, the conscious me, the greater yeah. consciousness me. And yeah. it's, it's really fascinating. Yeah. And that's quite a shift for you as well. You weren't into I, I've creating. always I've always baked. Like I've, my grandmother taught me how to bake when I was four. So like I've always had that skill set, but I've never translated it into healing modalities. Okay. Because it didn't occur to me that that food and oils and all of that is that you know it's Ayurvedic. It's yeah. it's that that greater sense of how do you care for yourself and the planet and each other in this paradigm. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. How long have you been doing that for? The essential oils I've been doing for about three years, but the the comfrey and the castor oil. I learned this week from somebody at my community garden. Okay. Oh, yeah, I make this tincture. I put some chili and turmeric and ginger, and I make this salve. With, she didn't say the castor oil. She said comfrey. And I was like, well, I know, I know castor oil is ridiculously healing for the body. And so if I put comfrey in it, it's just going to make it more so. Mm, beautiful. So yeah, just allowing myself to open up to that. So how are you finding as a as a means by starting this? Like what are what are you finding resonates with you deeply? For me on my path, you mean? Yeah. Uh, it's yoga with without a doubt. The the physical I growing up I was always just an athlete, like right right out of the womb, like wanting to run and uh, most kids are, but for me, it was. I think it was just next level, mm-hmm. and and so just pursuing anything physical, mm-hmm. and then this natural transition. Because when I got to a point where I wanted to, to, I was at, I was at a choice point where I was like, I could keep playing hockey or and and like fake being this person, <laughs> you know, or I could honor who I'm becoming mm-hmm. and seek this path, and so. I decided to just leave the game and oh. I went and traveled to India and I lived there uh, in my guru's ashram. And that's amazing. The, it was such a perfect transition what he did for me because at first it was like, you know, I, I did love being in the dressing room with all the guys and like you have this camaraderie, this team environment and uh, just being using the body in general. Mm-hmm. And my guru, at this time, he was just reviving this ancient form of yoga called Shiva Stamba Yoga, Ooh. which is yoga on a pole. Okay. And this nine foot tall, some of them are 11 foot tall poles. And oh, wow. you, you just swing yourself around. And uh, this was something that Krishna actually spoke about in, in a scripture called the Mala Purana. And my guru was reviving this at this time. And he basically just handed this whole project to me to, to be conducting it and be taking this and making it my baby in a sense and um, reviving this form of yoga. And it was like the perfect transition. Like I said, like, you you know, 
whether it's hitting a body or hitting your body up against the pole, you know, yeah. it's, it's only, it was a much more deeper spiritual experience. The pole, it's not just some wooden pole. It's revered as Shiva, as the creator. Oh, wow. And so when you're approaching it, it's very much a spiritual experience. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not just about throwing your body and doing physical exercises. Mm-hmm. Everything starts from the context of, of being a spiritual being. Mm-hmm. This pole being Shiva uniting, and mm-hmm. it's a it's a beautiful experience, and it's something that we're working on bringing to the West. And yeah, so that that transition of going from playing to this ancient form of yoga was it was just perfect for me. Yeah. And then actually, my wife she was handed another form of yoga, which is Kundalini Raju Yoga, which is that's actually the same form of yoga, only it's on a suspended rope. And so oh, you might fascinating. See, yeah, it's very interesting. You might see these uh, these forms of yoga in, in India, and they're known as malakam. Okay. But the what's important to understand is mala means sportsman or wrestler. Okay. And and so it's kind of lost its spiritual context. It's just being seen as a sport. But okay. uh, Krishna speaks about it. It's more than just a sport. It is. It's a, a spiritual practice, just like in yoga, the physical asanas. You know, in the West we. A lot of people see it as like maybe just for flexibility, et cetera, but it's a deep spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. And so uh, these two forms of yoga and reviving the yoga as per the scriptures, like in Nityananda yoga is all about bringing the original yoga back to life. So everything we do, it's like, okay, we do it because it says in this scripture here, this is what you should be doing. And so we're just realigning the, the yoga practice to that. One of my gurus, he says, you know, yoga has been popularized and that job's been done and, and, you know, we're so grateful and blessed to have that. But now it's time to really authenticate it and get away from the beer yoga and all all those other forms of yoga. I I did yoga probably like in a class back in, when was it? Late 2008, 2009. And when my dad died, I stopped going because I couldn't feel what I needed spiritually for it. Mm. Because I know that yoga is a spirit. Like I know, like it's it's tied in scripture, but in the United States, that's kind of hard to find at a gym. Yeah. And, you know, trying to find it in a way that resonates with me has been, I'll say, challenging. Yeah. I'm very good at yeah. meditating. But having that that connection with the body and the spirit would be really amazing to experience. Yeah, it's and it's so important for for people that don't use their body, aren't as as physically strong. I mean, so their nervous system isn't as strong. Their nadis aren't as strong, and so they can't hold that energy of Kundalini Shakti as much. And I was blessed with an experience when I was in India. I asked my guru that that first program that I went to that I mentioned at this point, I was like, I want to experience, I want to experience God. Like I want to be God. Like that was my, I was just driving for that, that that deep sense of seeking, like I said. And so I found out that I could write down any question that I want and then ask him. So I wrote down, I want to experience as much as God as you think I could handle. (laughs) And I remember he read it in front of me, looks at me and goes, okay, I'll do it. (laughs) I was just like, okay. And then I, I traveled. <laughs> what did I just ask for? <laughs> yeah. Right. So I, I traveled throughout India after the program. I didn't have that experience during the program. And 
traveled throughout India, I made my way back down to his ashram and I did a meditation at a banyan tree, at his banyan tree in his ashram. And it, yeah, I think you know what a banyan tree is, but the roots go up and down into the ground, just this big energy yeah. vortex. If you just sit there, you're tuned to energy in any oh, yeah. way. Like, you're like, oh yeah, I feel that. <laughs> but uh, I was doing this guided meditation with a friend and, and she goes, I see Swamiji, that's like the nickname for our girl. I, I see Swamiji walking up to you. And he's putting this blue diamond in your chest. And then she said, let go, Jordan. At that time, my name was Jordan. She goes, let go, Jordan. I knew she was just talking about this area in my chest. And I was just like, as soon as I was like, I thought about that, it was just like, ha, ah, like this energy just poured out of my entire body. And like my face is lit up so much. I couldn't, I couldn't move my body. It was just frozen in bliss. Wow. Uh, and it was just, I was standing there for 10 minutes, like unable to move, not wanting to move, yeah. just euphoric bliss pouring out of each and every cell of my body. And it was just this tremendous overload in my system, on my nervous system. I was like, oh. ah. Yeah. <laughs> and I just stood there frozen frozen in bliss and i knew like it was just it was love it was it was every positive like emotion or positive like labeling that you could put on it it was that times like a trillion and at that moment it was just like the, like after it was over i was i was so beyond high like i was just like i am the divine i am like i was in the highest space of consciousness ever. And, but I know, getting back to why I started talking about this, the reason why I was able to hold so much energy was because I had a strong nervous system because of training it through my mm -hmm. athletic background. And without a doubt, I'm so grateful that I had a strong nervous system, a yeah. strong body, strong yogic body, because I was able to experience so much euphoric bliss. Like the Kundalini is just beyond what anybody could possibly imagine. And so that's why it's like, you guys got to be doing yoga. Everybody's got to be doing yoga. <laughs> <laughs> that was my result. I was like, guys, let's do yoga. <laughs> and, and so just so blessed to have that experience, but yeah. to know the importance of the physical. My guru says you have, you have only two things, body and consciousness. Mm -hmm. So you need to train the body to hold that, that energy. And, oh. and just beyond words is all it is. It's just beyond words, our true nature. Cause that was pouring out of me. It, it was me, but it wasn't like coming from outside of me. We mm -hmm. are eternal bliss, eternal love, eternal joy. Like we are all of those things that you read in the scriptures and people that doubt that in any way, it's like, please just trust uh, that is the truth you can yeah. you can just sit with that at any point you want and just go beyond all of this mind junk that is really that's yeah. all it is it's just junk it is it is it is and i'm feeling your joy i'm feeling that because i i'm not as tuned as you are because i haven't been in an ashram <laughs> but <laughs> but i feel the energy of others and i i know i had um this beautiful example of of connecting with all that is we have mason bees in our in our garden and we took them up to the garden this week and they come out of their cocoons 
and they're alive for about six to eight weeks. And then the females go into their little holes and they, you know, pop their little pupids out and then they die and then they hibernate for like eight, nine months, 10 months, 11 months, 10 months. And so these little ones have been sitting in a refrigerator for five, six months. And one fell on the ground and I picked it up with a little twig and it walked on my hand and it sat there and I watched it and it stretched and it scratched itself and it was coming out of hibernation and into the third dimension. And I was its refuge. Uh And I realized how I am not separate from it. And it was only because I chose to pay attention on that level. Uh How do you help people get to that state of that, that quiet of that, that, that not rush that pervades our society? That's that's the ultimate challenge, especially within today's world where yeah. everything is, I need it now, I need it now. And and so there really needs to be that that foundation to how they know they want to approach their life. And and that for me is through the spiritual routine, like your morning mm-hmm. sadhana, your morning practice. Mm-hmm. Because you know you always have that as your anchor for one to start mm-hmm. with. And then, you know, let's say you do get caught up in the the day-to-day nuances and whatnot and you know you can kind of come back like like your meditation practice for instance that's it's a cornerstone for you i'm assuming and so Mm -hmm. you have that experience and it's tangible for you or when you are maybe going through a psychological low or even psychological high where you don't want to get too lost in ego or something and Mm -hmm. you can always center yourself it is just your practice and i think patanjali is you know he says it I don't know how many times in, in the Patanjali Yoga Sutra is like, you need to practice it though. You know, <laughs> you can't just read about this stuff. Right. And so it is for me, it's the spiritual routine that, that really does keep you, keep, keep you grounded whenever you need it throughout mm-hmm. the rest of your day as well. I tend to use a practice called tapping cortices, which balances my left and right brain. When I feel myself getting into the world and not in myself, because I have a, a long history of uh, distracting myself because of childhood traumas. And so I know that when I distract myself, it's like, okay, no, no, I got to come back. I got to be present. And it is a practice because it, it's awareness and practice. You have to be aware of the fact that you're going to get into a behavior that isn't going to connect you with your divinity. Mm. And then you have to use your practices to bring you back to that state. Absolutely. And for for my my guru Sangha spiritual community, how how we how we start our day is like I said, everything what he's doing with yoga is aligning everything back to the scriptures. And it's basically like that with everything. So like our actual kriyas, our our cleansing techniques. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, we're doing a daily eye wash, uh, neti, uh, n- nasal cleansing. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't like the neti pot. <laughs> yeah, we do a daily enema as well. We oh, do. Wow. We have harataki. This it's powder called harataki powder. It's my guru says uh, golden powder form. Uh, so we have we we have a very specific way that we cleanse our body before okay. we even get onto the mats, and then 
oh, wow. just the yoga practice itself is, you know, having this background of like weightlifting and everything. It's not like your most powerful physical practice, but it is the most powerful as far as like awakening Kundalini and keeping the body pure and clean. And so just to start our day with that, and then we go on to puja, offering our gratitude to the divine. And then depending, and he does a live satsang in India in the morning, but here in the West, it's, it's in the evening time. But just to ground yourself with a spiritual truth. So mm-hmm. before you even start your day, you've, you've gone through so much and, and you're kind of ending it with a powerful cognition that you can carry on throughout your day. Mm. Um, because there's always, there's always these teachings that we've come across and that are constantly flowing through, through our, our paths, but we really only need that one sometimes. And yeah. uh, I think if you start your day with having a, a powerful cognition in hand that you can kind of maybe lean on throughout the rest of your day, mm-hmm. that really does help as well. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do morning readings and I pray every morning and I have a practice where I, op- I lay in bed and I feel my chakras spinning with the intent uh, of waking up the chakras of every person on the planet. Uh, and it's a beautiful, beautiful. visualization. Yeah, I, I feel the visualization. I feel it every day because for me, part of my calling is to help awaken everyone. Uh-huh that wants to wake up. I can't, I can't wake everybody up, but anyone who wants to. Yeah. <laughs> can't force anyone, but give, you know, have conversations like this. So if somebody feels a calling and they're not sure where they're going, this is an opportunity to, to explore a path. Yeah. Uh, because it doesn't really matter what path you're on as long as you find the path that's true for you. And so that just feels... I love your practices of the body cleansing before starting your day. I still, it still gets caught in my yeah neti pot. <laughs> <laughs> like I feel it in here. Like, oh, <laughs> but you know, and, and I've thought about um, oil pulling. I haven't done that yet either, but yeah, it's be really, really beneficial. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't incorporated that consistently that and tongue scraping, I do do those two things, but I, it's not a part of my, like, I've, I'm doing this every day, you know? But yeah, oil pulling, I've, I, I've experienced this. <laughs> you feel so much cleaner, you know? <laughs> yeah, I got caught on the taste of the oil in my mouth. I was like, oh, I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> you won't like tasting castor oil then and like consuming no, it. It, no. it does not taste the best at first. You know, you got to get used to that one. But yeah, <laughs> but I know it's, it's healthy. It is. And everything, everything that we do is about keeping the gut clean. And even modern science today, you know, you're starting to understand the importance of microbiome, 100 million nerve cells in there that yeah. are connecting or, or neurons that are connecting to the brain. And truly, like, it is a second brain. And so yeah, if you just is. keep the junk out of there, then the, you're, you're doing a, a tremendous support for yourself mentally. Yeah. And so naturally for us, what we do is a vegetarian diet, everything mm-hmm. organic cleaning out the bowels every day. Mm-hmm. Um, the castor oil helps clean out the uh, intestinal system as well. This hard tucky powder that I was talking about as well. Mm-hmm. Everything is about keeping the stomach clean, the body clean and as, as pure as possible. Yeah. And you really do start to feel like 
when I had my Kundalini awakened in 2014, I, I can just gradually notice the, the strength of it mm. from then into today, just because of the purity of my, my system, my body now. Yeah. Um, and it took, I think, a little bit of time because, you know, I was eating meat for a very long time and whatnot and alcohol. Yeah. And so my, I had a lot of crap that just needed to eventually get flushed out. And, but it, I certainly like feel that now today. It's like I, I, my body feels so, so perfect. I'm, I've actually been doing a, a diet called Nirhar Samima, which is it's about going beyond food. But it okay. starts with, uh, with a liquid diet. And so some might see it as like a liquidarian diet, but it's more about uh, this spiritual context of going beyond food. And oh, I've been doing that for just over 250 days now. And so wow. everything I consume is in some sort of non-solid form, so okay. liquids. And, but like I have you know protein shakes and mm-hmm. a lot of different foods and everything, but it really does. I, I noticed that there it's like even, it's like, refining the body even more, just the tiniest little bit. It's very interesting. I've noticed, so in the past five years, I've I've gotten to be plant-based and sugar, gluten, dairy, soy, alcohol, and coffee-free. Oh, awesome. And for me, uh, one of the fascinating things is, so the last time I swam... A mile a day was when I was 17. I'm, okay. 50, I'm 51 now. I'm able to swim three to four miles a week now because I have so much energy from eating plant-based. Wow. Without the gluten and the sugar and the soy yeah. and the dairy. Yeah. And it, like when I first did it, of course, my ego was like, what do you do? I mean, it was slow. It was over time. It wasn't like all of a sudden I just did it, but but the last one was I gave up fish about eight months ago. And I was like, really? I can't even eat fish? What's going on here? And my ego was having a tantrum. Like, I can't even, I can't, there's nothing to eat. I can't believe it. And then I got over it <laughs> and, and started because my is like, okay, if this is my choice, I have to find recipes because I'm not doing, I'm not eating the same thing every day. That's yeah. like a no go for me. And my clarity is better. My energy is better. I feel, I feel energy coming through my hands because I'm clearing myself out. So I'm curious, like, okay, casserole, I could do like a quarter of a teaspoon to start with. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I did that too. I wasn't like taking, you know, a big gulp of that for first either. I had, uh, I had to progress. <laughs> yeah. Because I mean, it is this, this purifying of the body because that's how you're able to connect more. Like yeah. if we're if we're consciousness and we have these amazing three-dimensional bodies, how do we connect? Yeah. You gotta make yeah. yourselves pure. Yeah. The body really like is a temple. Yeah. With without it, like that it is a temple. And once you kind of have that contextual understanding and even start to experience it in the slightest, I think that's what somebody just needs is just to have like that okay, that makes sense, kind of click. And then once they can have that, they'll start to experience it the more they do that, like the elimination diet, you know, like if mm-hmm. I cut this out, how do I feel? How do I feel, you know? Yeah. So it, it is, a, for me, I know it was an experiential process, much like what you're saying too. Kind of just, I mean, I was, when I was, I was actually still playing when I went to plant-based and 
I didn't do it right. You know, in 2014, there wasn't much content out there about how to do a plant-based diet, or I guess I wasn't even really reading. I'm sure there was, but I wasn't reading it. But anyway, right. so I, I didn't do it right. I, I wasn't getting enough protein. I wasn't, you know, I, I was, it was just... Garden was, of life was around. <laughs> yeah, it was an immature approach. But I needed that. I needed to go through that process. And yeah. I lost a bunch of muscle. And then I, I realized that I eventually gained all that muscle back and all that strength back. And then mm-hmm. I went and then some. And so I had that just experience of, look, I don't need meat. Like this is right. actually better for me. And so mm-hmm. it, it's a good process for somebody to just jump into and just experience for yourself. Because, you know, when somebody listens to you or I talk, it's just like, it might be great and all, but it doesn't matter. Right. You need to experience it. They need to right. have that tangible understanding, that tangible experience and so i always tell people i'm like don't listen to a word i say like experience it for yourself (laughs) yeah Yeah. i mean it's great to get the information yeah yeah ultimately but but like i can't you know my mom looks at me he's like why are you using monk fruit like because it has low glycemic index (laughs) i don't want to have sugar spikes and she's like but that doesn't taste like sugar i'm like yeah and i don't poison myself yeah yeah (laughs) It's a simple thing, but yeah. it's, you know, for some people that, that, that attachment food is like such a big attachment. Oh yeah. And trying to get help, trying to offer help to someone who is tenaciously holding on to their identity through food is a fascinating thing to watch. Yeah. 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 Do you work with a lot of people to help them with that? I'm starting to because I've given up, like sugar took me three years. Yeah. And gluten, thank, thank all that is that there's Simple Mills crackers. Oh, yeah. Oh, godsend. Because <laughs> 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 I need a crunch. I need a crunch. And they're, they're an almond flour cracker. And, uh-huh. and so, like, I can, I can help kindly and with compassion because i think when people give up foods there's a lot of judgment and there's a lot of failure involved in it and so i can help with that i'm also helping people step out of their overwhelm being a past master at being overwhelmed i've incorporated a lot of different like every time i like vow of peace okay i'm doing no harm okay get rid of the external okay now what I'm going to give up beef. Okay, now what? Sugar? Okay. Now I have three TerraCycle boxes. I compost. I run a community man, a community garden. Mm. Plant like it keeps getting more like okay, how do I find sustainable clothes? Like what's the next step for doing no harm because that's what my soul wants. Mm. And so I get that process keenly and just sharing what I know is really important to me because I don't think there's a lot of information about this deeper, there's more than there was, but having practical tips and guides to help people along the way is important. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree. And people that have been there and done that and gone through it and, and can really understand your pains to cut out sugar, yeah. you know what 
yeah. what that's like. It's not an easy road. No. And so a lot of people do need that help. And uh, I mean, I remember the very first time was like, I came across sugar, how bad it was. They sh- I saw this graph of it affects the brain in the same way as cocaine. And I was like, yeah. that's why it's so hard for anybody to cut it out. And I mean, I, was, uh, <laughs> I, would, I would have a rack of Oreos in one sitting. Like I was the worst at <laughs> sugar. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a definitely a challenge. Oh yeah, it was terrible growing up. It was terrible. <laughs> the sugariest cereal, like, you know, <laughs> I could go on about right. all the bad junk food that I had. And it just makes me so grateful to be where I am today. Yeah. To, and to, to feel that difference as well, you know? Blessed to be, to, to be on the other side now. And yeah, you can only really help those that are interested in that help and are, right. are wanting that support. Right. Yeah. Because because I've known, especially with my mom, like, hey, mom, why don't you try this? Well, it doesn't, like, I made, I made a gluten, dairy, sugar-free pumpkin cheesecake and pecan pie for Thanksgiving. Or I made the pecan pies and um, ramekins. And they were really good because I used a yak on syrup instead of molasses and it tastes like sugar, but it's a plant that uh. doesn't have a high glycemic index. And they were amazing. I was so proud of myself. I was like, oh my gosh, I did this really well. She's like, where's the whipped cream? <laughs> I can't help you, mom. Like, you know, I, the coconut milk I had in the fridge wasn't really, it was sitting in there too long. So I couldn't make any whipped cream, but I was just like, just be happy with what you have. It doesn't need anymore. And she couldn't. I mean, it became a battle. Wow, you're attached. You're really attached to this. And I'm not going to win. So we'll just not have this conversation because it's not worth it to me to fight you over something that to me isn't that important. And to you, it's your identity. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's maybe one of the most common things that people talk to me about is being around individuals that aren't at the same stage of life that we are now on and, mm-hmm. and view reality in the same way that we do. And, yeah. and there's that energetic tug of war almost. And yeah. it, 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 is, uh, it is interesting. It's, it's a practice for yourself though. Like you like you, it is like you just mentioned, you realize that, look, I'm not, this isn't, this isn't worth this fight or this battle. And, right. and kind of, so you have that opportunity, at least for yourself to, to really right. reflect and tune in and be present. And, but it is, it is a very much a challenge for, I mean, when I was first awakening, I was, I was going into a dressing room with 20 some odd guys all talking about like going out the previous night, getting wasted, chasing girls around, like doing all this stuff. And I'm like, this is not me anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> Tune in. <laughs> That's beautiful because, yeah. you know, it, it is. I mean, here's a perfect example is like the, the virus is going around right now and the, I don't watch television. I haven't had television since 1998. Awesome. Um, yeah, it is pretty awesome. And, but I do know that this is a thing. and. I feel badly that people are consumed with fear, but I can't relate with it. I know. <laughs> Just the other day, my brother was telling me about that, like how they were thinking about canceling sports games and everything. I'm like, 
I was in the same position. I haven't really been following it. Like, don't, don't know what's going on to the extent. And I was like, really? Like, <laughs> and it is so fear-based, fear-driven, like you're yeah. saying. And it's hard when you're not being in a place of fear to understand it. I mean, I can definitely show compassion because I used to be a news junkie. I used to work for Maine Public Broadcasting and be an announcer. So I get it. Uh, and what I know, one of my friends is like, we need, we need to have a free press. And I said, well, yeah, but we don't. Like, if you really want a free press, you won't hear about the coronavirus that much because it's being exacerbated in the press to create fear. Yeah. What you'd hear is like the woman I met today who saved a bunny rabbit from her cat. Or <laughs> you get to hear really amazing stories about things that really matter to the exclusion yeah. of the things that are just out there to create fear. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's unfortunate, but when you kind of get to that point where you realize, at least for yourself, that it is, like, there is this agenda of pushing fear and stay away from it. And when people see that space in you, how you like you just carry yourself like, Everybody's like panicking about coronavirus. You're like, ah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what, to, what, to, what to do, what to worry, you know? Right. When they see that and they, they start to see like your lifestyle and, you know, maybe why you think that way, if that, that does intrigue them to ask that question, you know? Mm-hmm. But it is, it's very tough because, yeah, as of right now, the mainstream is pushing this and the, the popular vote is to watch these things. And so mm-hmm. there's, there's, there's not much we can do about that, but keep doing what we're doing. And right. like you're doing, you know, like wanting to awaken consciousness to awaken everybody that is ready and available, holding that space for yourself, being that, being that, uh, that again, that top spot, you're, you're that principle. That's what you're standing for. Yeah. That will start to gravitate towards us and, and we'll have that opportunity to awaken those that are ready for it. Mm-hmm. I want to take your pole yoga. <laughs> yeah, we we, uh, we we trained. I can't remember the total number. It's close to, I want to say, twenty five hundred people, and wow. just on the pole. And of that, it was almost a fifty fifty split with females to men. Mm-hmm. And it's it's an incredible practice because it's just you don't see it anywhere. And it does kind of bring that little kid back into you, into your life a little bit. Yeah. And and the just the way that works on the body, the we have different marma points. Point. You ever you ever like see in karate how there there's like that touch of death where that, that you know there's one yeah, yeah. part of your body and you're dead. Yeah. That that's because of the science of marmas, uh, point where consciousness enters into the body. Mm. But it's what's what matters is the intention behind that, and so. This is a very sacred science, and there's a reason why not everybody just knows how to put somebody to death with one touch. Which is good. Um, and you have to be a yeah, you have to be a master in that sense. But yeah, when when you're on the pole or on the rope, actually, either or, when you're moving your body, you're pressing your body up in certain areas, and you're pressing up up against these marma points. But what's being pressed up isn't this intention to hurt somebody, it's the pole or the rope, which is revered as Shiva, is revered as the divine. So it's a point where consciousness is entering into the divine. It's Shiva is entering into you. And if you look at the rope, how you climb the rope, you 
you actually put your your big toe and the next toe and you kind of climb up the rope one by one. Oh, the the awesome. point in between the toes, there's a, a shipra nadi. And that point is where you're actually pressing the rope up. And so each time that you're touching the rope and climbing it, you're pressing up against that marma point. And so wow. it's, there's this whole science behind it. It's not just like, let's go climb the rope. and walk. No. It's very like sacred and beautiful as well. Yeah. And it's something where you will experience it. At the very top of the pole, the, the, the head of the pole is about nine inches or so. And if you climb up and you sit down on the top of the pole, as soon as you sit, the very first time that this happened for me and the, with everybody that I trained, can't say everybody, but I'm, I'm like I want to say above ninety percent of the people. As soon as you sit on top of the pole, you'll have a Kundalini awakening experience. It's just like, whoa! Like, oh. you, you just you're you're. It's beyond words. I, I don't know how to put it into words. I can't maybe describe why it is, but it is it is a euphoric experience that. The very first time somebody comes in and we would train somebody to get like on the pole, I'd be like, we got to get you up on the pole like that, like get you up, sit you down so you can have that experience. That's my whole goal with anybody mm. that comes. And so um, if you have any desire or intention that, hey, I want to experience that without a doubt, we can make that happen. We can get you on top of the pole and you'll have this, wow, like, this incredible experience. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. That would be amazing. And then my wife would want to get you onto the rope as well. Mm. oh wow i could talk to you for hours this is so much fun (laughs) (laughs) yes this has been awesome yeah so i'm i'm mindful of the fact that this is a podcast (laughs) i don't want my my listeners to tune out so how can people find you yeah i would say the best way is just through social media everything i am i'm on is blissful athlete at blissful athlete I've been, I don't know if you're using TikTok these days, but it seems no, like I it's, been, but... it's I've, I've just shot up in followers. People, they, there are so many people, are, their attention's on TikTok these days. And I love sharing little tidbits about, uh, you know, yoga scriptures and things like mm-hmm. that. And then my YouTube is Blissful Athlete as well. So anybody can DM me on Instagram too. And I, I do my best to get back to everybody that uh, sends me a message. So oh, such an honor to have you thank, thank you, you so much for having me this oh, was amazing it was a pleasure to meet you finally and to you. sit down and have a conversation thank you so much and i want to just acknowledge you as well for what you're doing it it sounds like you're on an amazing journey and you are tuning in thank i you. think people can learn so much from you and, and what you're going through so i just want to honor you for that and, and thank you again for for having me on here and it was a pleasure getting to meet you, and I'm sure we'll be doing this again in the future. Thank you so, so much. The action item of the week is to tune in and find out how you can incorporate daily practices into your morning to help develop your spiritual practices. For example, in my morning practices, I wake up in bed and I do that chakra ritual. Then I do card pulls. I do readings, I meditate, I listen to inspirational healing, and then I go about my day. If I skip one of those steps, I can tell, and my day doesn't flow as well. So I encourage you to find a practice that will work with you. Maybe it's castor oil, maybe it's tongue scraping, who knows, but do something that reminds you of the temple that your body truly is. That's it for the week. Until next time, I bid you the highest peace, 
love, and prosperity. Namaste. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. Let it Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.